thank you for tuning in to episode 12 of Local Music Talk, Ottawa's favorite local music podcast. My name is Michael, and you can give me a follow at Local Music Talk on Twitter and Instagram. Plus, I'm also on Facebook if you want to give me a like. For this week's episode, I have a very special guest. It's Ian from the Class of 91. Here he is. Yeah, so uh, so my name is uh, my name is Ian. I'm the uh, guitar player and vocal vocalist for Class of 91. Uh, our main kind of uh, hub there is co91.band, which will get you access to all of our streaming services, our Bandcamp, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Perfect. Well, the thing I've noticed about uh, you and your band, Ian, is uh, you've actually been quite productive throughout this pandemic. Even just something a few minutes ago, uh, <laughs> it looks like you posted something on your Instagram there too. So, yep. uh, like, what are all the things you've been up to? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's 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 kind of funny because we've actually had not too too bad of a run, considering, uh, like I say, we're all collectively in the same boat as everybody else is, obviously with uh, with COVID. Um, we were able to get our album out, which we'd started recording right at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, yeah. And then from there, we've just been kind of just chipping away and just trying to make some connections with, uh, with people. And yeah, it's just been, uh, it's actually been kind of a nice counterbalance to all the, uh, the chaos in the world and everyone's life's getting, uh, upended and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. uh, am I right, uh, in saying that, uh, you guys like came together as a band like just before the pandemic like just a couple months before that's completely accurate yeah so we uh we formed i guess officially as class of 91 in the summer of uh, 2019 uh we were fortunate to get a few uh shows in ottawa under our uh under our belt there um sort of at the latter part of uh the summer and into the fall and up to december we played our last show in december at uh at prest and uh yeah then we the conscious uh, decision after that was we were going to take some time and uh record album. And that uh, sort of took us from january right up to the week of uh march the 13th where everything went into lockdown with about a 75 percent done album <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> yeah so that was uh we kind of like landed on the scene just sort of at the utter last minute it seems there for uh for some things but you can never predict the future right so yeah no doubt uh, i mean from what i've seen from i guess a lot of my friends and kind of the musical clique that i've been associated with most people have just kind of gone the long-term hiatus slash breaking up route so yeah. it's good to see <laughs> that uh, a band can survive uh, given the situation uh how have you uh found i guess like you said you like continued on creating this album while we were in the pandemic how have you found that like has it all just been everybody separate have you found ways to meet up or yeah so it yeah it's kind of a, it's it's sort of an interesting story right so the way that we approached the recording so like we did everything by ourselves um it's kind of like the uh, the cost neutral diy approach to uh, to making music there but we're fortunate that um sort of during the before times there we would rehearse uh at our drummer's house and he's got like sort of a small studio in his in his basement that's where we uh we did all of our uh recording there the music tracks so we got all the music tracks pretty much done i think our last session was the monday of the week of the lockdown it was kind of one of these like what do we do right and like record like recording an album at that point in the pandemic was like kind of like the last thing on everybody's minds right um you know you 
everything's getting upended. Uh, you know, you're dealing with like work stresses and family stresses and homeschooling and the whole, the whole bit. Right. So um, we kind of parked it for a while. Um, but then it kind of became one of these things. It's like, we'd like to actually kind of keep chipping away at this because it's, um, it's a bit of a stress reliever. It's something to kind of keep the mind occupied. So you're not necessarily thinking about COVID like 24 seven. Um, so Steve and I found a way to kind of do the vocals virtually so that, you know, um, I mean, the simple solution would have been, I could have probably recorded them by myself in my home studio, but I wanted to have that sort of that sober second thought um, approach to it. Right. So I could sort of deliver, but then Steve could kind of provide me some feedback. You know, you may want to tweak this or let's try this, uh, this idea. So basically I record from my studio um, basically by the net uh, through a sort of a, a plugin system that we, that we had set up and it would land on his dot, his end. Um, and he'd do all the vocal editing and stuff like that. And yeah, that's pretty much how we, uh, how we approached it. We just kind of kept chipping away at it. We do like maybe a song or two a week uh, until we got them all done and we were happy with them. And then, you know, we'd sort of send, he'd send all the files back to, to my dot. I'd mix it and I'd send it over to him and he'd provide some feedback, et cetera. So we just kind of just kept just casually chipping away at it until we found that, you know what, this is probably, we can kind of keep going, but I think we're pretty happy with this. Um, and then we ended up flipping it over to Steven Jurowitz at, um, at uh, kick merge and uh, phase four studios to master it and we said yeah let's just you know we might as well just put it out there so <laughs> well congrats on uh, releasing that uh i'm assuming most of the songs would have had to have been written by the time you got to that point eh? yeah so we uh so the the eight songs that are on the on the album we we'd had them all done and we said we did have a chance to um to kind of kick the tires on them live as well which which was good um because it's one thing to sort of like, you know, create something. There's another thing to kind of, um, you know, sort of rehearse it and that type of stuff there too. But like, you know, you're a performing musician yourself. You know, you know, there's a big, big difference when you're actually delivering it, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you're getting audience feedback. You're getting sort of like that that sonic design sort of at, at scale, right? Um, so that was kind of good because then we could kind of take that into the recording process and kind of, and kind of work, uh, work at it that way. Now, I mean, I'll caveat that too, right? Is, I mean, we, like, again, as a fairly young band um, from the point of view, like we'd only been together for short periods of time and even within no short periods of time too, like, like, you know, basically like trying to get four adults to coordinate their, uh, their schedules and making music is like herding cats, right? So you'd kind of have <laughs> to, uh, um, you know, really kind of be strategic about it. So again, like we, we kind of worked with what we had at that, at that point. Um, but even since eyes on fire came out, like we have had some opportunities to, um, to get together sort of outside of lockdowns and stuff like that to rehearse. And even, even in those times as well, like we found like the music's really matured even further than it was on the album. But, uh, you know, again, like it was a really, it was kind of a fun and interesting experience because it kind of, again, like with a little bit of uh, sort of extra time that wasn't really there pre-COVID, right? You could actually sit there and, you know, learn about, you know, mixing and all that kind of stuff there too. So it actually kind of became a, a really sort of a nice catharsis to uh, 
to dealing with everything else that was was going on. So it was super. Uh, it was an interesting project for sure. On uh, your end, uh, had you like previously been playing in bands up till that point? Uh, were you like in the scene for quite a while? <laughs> Twenty five years ago, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, it's it's funny. Like I, um, and, and I, there's no big dramatic story that goes goes along with that. It's just that uh, you know, uh, probably the last time I played with uh, with a band probably was in, like in the, the late '90s, um, and just you know, just life got in the way, right? And you just kind of was just something that sort of uh, wasn't really on the on the radar for a long time. But Steve. Um, Steve and I, like, we've known each other for a very, very long time. Like we went to high school together. He's continued on with, uh, with different bands. And, you know, we'd always talked about, you know, it'd be nice to kind of get back together and make some noise and sort of see what that, what that looks like. Um, and the same with, with, with Brock and, and Fred as well. Like we, um, we've all had those conversations about, you know, getting together, and, you know, sort of jamming and just sort of see where, where it comes out. Even if it was just like just playing some cover songs and just kind of getting back into music again um and yeah it just uh, as that process sort of evolved we said like you know maybe we should try write some original music right and again that's something i hadn't done in probably 25 years so <laughs> kind of getting back into that frame of mind again was 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 really really interesting and i kind of you realize how much you miss something were these all people that you knew beforehand uh, every member of that band yeah, like we've all been friends through just various walks of life there. So, I mean, I say Steve and I have got the like the longest relationship. Uh, like I said, we've been like close friends there for since like grade 10, I think. So going back in, in, in history quite a bit. But um, like Fred and Brock and I have known each other just sort of through the community there for the last little while and kind of connected over over music, right? And um, like a particularly when I kind of got back into picking up the guitar again and, and um, like, it was almost like a, like a bit of a re-education, right? So you get talking to, uh, to people and you sort of like, you know, start connecting. It's like, Oh, have you checked out this album here or kind of gone down this rabbit hole? And yeah, it's been really, really nice to take the lid back off of that again. Um, and like, I know Brock has done like, uh, I mean, he's been playing guitar for a number of years too, but um, sort of his, Vector was largely sort of like the open mic circuit. Um, Fred's played in bands before, but this is the first time he's actually been in a band where um, he's been playing original music. So that's a bit of a different uh, different take for for him as well, right? So um, yeah, it's been it's been really kind of neat to sort of see how all those different sort of perspectives gel together. And I guess the what comes out the other end of the factory line is what Closet Honey One sounds like. In terms of um, how you guys all collaborate. Uh like are you like the main writer and everybody just kind of fills in the gap or do you think it's like all like pretty collaborative between everybody when it comes to putting together those songs yeah the the answer is kind of yes on on both both fronts i mean i guess like if you had to put who is the songwriter i mean that would that would be me um but it's not it's not a question of it's like okay like this is this is ian's show and this is the way that everything is going to sound type of thing right it's uh um when we do get together uh, again, everyone has their influences and their takes on stuff and, and what would sort of maybe be a, sort of a finished product based on all those different inputs. But part of uh, again, part of the uh, sort of the strategy, I guess, behind uh, class of 91 sort of getting together and, and uh, you know, rehearsing and, and, and recording and that type of stuff there too. Again, it's just like, in the before times it's balancing schedules, right? So typically, 
when sort of the uh, the creativity strikes um you know i probably like in my studio here just like on logic you know I'll throw down some auto drumming a couple of guitar tracks a bass track some some basic vocals fire that off to to fred and, and to steve and to brock so that they can kind of like you know give it a couple of couple of listens there and so then by the time that we actually get to a rehearsal uh we can start chipping away at it that way um and then the song obviously evolves from that perspective but again like that's more of a time management appro- approach than kind of like a dicta- <laughs> dictatorial approach to music right so um it is, it's worked it's worked quite well for us so um like i know even that like you know the few times that we did have uh opportunities to play shows and stuff there too like if we got in two rehearsals before a show like that would be that would be like a, a good thing typically we're walking into a show with like one rehearsal one rehearsal under <laughs> our belts um so again if you're looking for silver linings uh sort of under the current circumstances outside of lockdowns it's like we've actually had more opportunities to uh, to get together and and rehearse um um i guess i think you might have picked up on a couple of uh interviews that we've done there too is uh we have a friend of ours that runs a uh a cafe in the south end of the city and he's been uh he's been open during the day but closed in the evenings he's like guys if you want space, it's a big space right so we can all kind of like mask up get our stuff in there set up at, at a good distance and and sort of chip away at it so when we've been able to do it that's been kind of like the weekly the weekly get together so we've actually had more opportunities during covid to actually <laughs> kind of like you know work towards something and and still try to put out little little offerings as as we can um just to try to stay relevant so that hopefully when all of this mess sort of blows over there we'll uh you know we'll be able to sort of pick up things where we where we left off yeah the situation with the cafe sounds pretty sweet <laughs> yeah uh... it's very it's very fortunate like dave um it's uh anna is is the is the name of the place and uh like yeah he's just an absolute prince like he's just uh you know, just kind of like let us uh, let us use the op- like the you know the opportunity to 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 use the space, and it's uh, it's been really really good. Have you uh, considered using that space to try to do like a full band uh, type live stream? Uh, do you think that's something that's possible? Yeah, it's that's a good question actually, because the the whole live stream thing with with us, it's we're kind of on the fence with it, right? Like it's it's I'm not opposed to the live stream concept. I'm just not 100 percent sure that that's the sort of like the the vector that would work well for for us right like uh doing like sort of the camera on the like or the phone on the tripod type type of angle it works very very well for some people but what we have tried uh as an experiment which we were happy with it with the output on was um so we actually did a uh a five song set at, at that venue um it's we've creatively titled title it five songs it's up on our on our youtube channel so what we actually did was we put up a crap ton of like cameras on tripods uh different angles and recorded um recorded a five song set and then stitched that together so you know kind of like rapid cuts and try to try to do it in a way that would kind of as much as again playing to an empty room uh there's a little bit of obviously a little bit of like imaginary theater that goes along with something like that but try to put something together that would sort of visually represent uh, what it would be like to, to watch class and anyone live. Cause you think about it, if you're like at a show, I mean, you're not always going to be necessarily fixed on exactly the same thing all the time. Right. I mean, your eyes are going to be kind of darting all over the place. So we tried to stitch t- something together um, that kind of reflected that as much as, you know, a DIY 
uh, sort of YouTube project could, uh, could allow. So that's, again, and that's something that we'd like to try to do again, um, post lockdown, um, just to try to, again, just try to keep, uh, keep sort of that presence and, and relevancy out there. So. Yeah, that sounds actually in uh, most live streams I've seen. So <laughs> I'll definitely make sure I check that out. Uh, you said it's on YouTube, eh? Yep. Yeah. So if okay. you go to like CO, uh, like code91.band there um you can link into our youtube uh, channel that way so yeah it's actually kind of funny because like i've i asked pretty much everybody who i've talked to about live streaming and every time it's like a pretty different answer like you get some people who are super passionate super excited yeah. about it and then you get others who are kind of like yeah I, I don't know so <laughs> it's uh yeah it, it is it is a bit of a and again because i've some live streams which are really really quite quite good i find um again like the ones that i've that i've had the opportunity to watch there i find like sort of like the solo musician uh works very very well in that setting uh the full band thing can work really well but i think a lot of it just has to do with the comfort level of the musician too right i mean that's just not a vector that i feel particularly comfortable with for like a made up reason that's even remotely interesting but, uh, <laughs> um but it's uh yeah it is it is interesting but the the sort of the the aspect of the whole live stream debate which i find kind of a kind of an interesting one though is that it has really forced people to think okay, about how uh they can continue to uh to sort of present themselves right um because you, you, like you sort of alluded to earlier, you almost have like kind of like two options. You could either try to go that route, um, or you could basically say, "Okay, we're just going to take a break." <laughs> you know, when, when yeah. we're all vaccinated <laughs> and there's like actual venues to play at again, we could uh, we could figure something out. So, actually, uh, one of the other things here uh, I wanted to ask you about was uh, you did a music video in a cave. <laughs> yes, sir, we did. <laughs> yeah. It, looks really cool it's actually a really cool video uh how oh, did that come up and like what went into that <laughs> yeah so the actual the actual filming uh sort of the the actual filming of the video was again that's that, that same kind of diy approach that we did for uh, for the live uh, live stuff there too is basically cameras on tripods um because again like recording in a cave in a pandemic like you have to kind of approach that getting an entire film crew is not probably a, a very prudent, uh, prudent approach in that, in that particular case. But how we ended up doing that was um, through a family, uh, family friend of, uh, of Brock's. Um, we basically got, uh, got an invite to, uh, to go out there and, and check out Bonnershare. Um, because again, like, like they're a business, right? Um, they're impacted by the pandemic. They've had to close. Um, it basically the offer was, Hey, you know, if you guys want to go out there and make use of the space for however you want to use it. Um, the only thing that we ask is that you just kind of give us a positive mentions just to kind of remind people that we're still here. So again, that when, when this whole, uh, the whole pandemic blows over, uh, it's just kind of putting a, putting a bit of a marker on there. So yeah, we went and checked out the space and tried to sort of conceptualize, okay, like what could we actually do in here? So we, we made a full day of it. Uh, we did the rock video thing. So, uh, which is what, uh, which, what you saw. Um, and again, that was, I say just a bunch of like, you know, amateur photo photographers, basically taking, <laughs> taking video in a bunch of angles. Well, MacBook and stitching it together and then calling it a rock video at the end of it. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, what 
acoustic songs uh, in the cave as well. So we brought uh, we brought our acoustic guitars. Um, Steve brought a cajon, uh, you know, and we just basically did a couple of acoustic interpretations of uh, Eyes on Fire and Couldn't This Be Right, just to sort of see what that would be like. Because again, like, why would you not take advantage of that opportunity? So um and steve brought uh like a portable uh portable daw and we just uh recorded those things in there and again same approach right cameras on tripods and just stitched to, stitched it together and called it a mini two song show in a cave with no audience so <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Cur- courtesy of youtube <laughs> uh did you find that there was like some natural like echoing that sounded good or did that like become kind of annoying <laughs> no it was actually acoustically it was actually super interesting um i don't know if doing a full electric set in there would necessarily be a smart move but uh like even when we were doing um the video for this is magic i mean you're kind of air banding it but you're air banding it um like, like it was mostly for for steve like he's actually like pounding on his drums um and that got pretty loud pretty fast um but doing the acoustic stuff though it was actually like a really really kind of a a nice sort of a chamber feel to it um because there's like a sort of a, the space that we're 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 performing in is you know it's not it's not a massive space it was enough for us to kind of like all sort of be spaced out and uh uh so sort of take advantage of that natural ambiance that was in there and it actually came out pretty good like it wasn't a lot of crazy like muddy sounds or anything like that um but then the video itself, like that's basically like we're all roughly playing in exactly the same spot, just slightly different angles. It's, and we're kind of filming that all one-on-one, obviously. So, <laughs> Is, uh, Do you think you'd be able to get some like actual recordings from that cave to feature on the next album or? Like... Uh, well, we could um, potentially. I mean, like I say, there, there are a couple of uh, recorded songs again up on our YouTube channel there too. So you can get, get a bit of a sense of what, uh, what it sounds like, but yeah, I don't know. I'd definitely, uh, I definitely head back there. Um, Chris, the guy that uh, him and his wife that, that run uh, Bonisher. I mean, they're just absolutely just wonderful people. Right. And uh, super, super accommodating. And they're like, yeah, you guys just, let us know when you're done and we'll lock it up. <laughs> so yeah. it's a pretty sweet deal. Uh, so actually one thing I kind of forgot to ask earlier is, uh, yeah. if, well, I, I know the answer to it, but class of 91, <laughs> where, where, where's the name come from? <laughs> so, yeah. So the, the short answer to the question is that's, I'm about to date myself here there too, but that's, that's the year that uh, Steve and I graduated from, uh, from high school. So it's kind of like a bit of a tongue in cheek, uh, sort of nod, nod to that. Um, we're not a '90s kind of throwback band. Uh, that's not that's not sort of the uh, the angle that we're taking. But um, having said that, you know you can't ignore that that was a very foundational period in all of our musical lives there too, right? I mean, kind of in that late teens, early uh, early twenties sort of uh, phase is probably where a lot of stuff itself into uh, <laughs> into your consciousness, right? So <laughs> you can, I think there's um, probably like again depending on. I could hear a little bit of this or a little bit of that, maybe kind of creeping into the sounds here, here and there. But that's really what it was kind of a, kind of a bit of a tongue in cheek uh, nod to, uh, to that, uh, that stage of history there. So, so uh, what, what bands would you say are like your primary inspirations for your sound? Yeah, it's, that's a, it's a good question. I was kind of anticipating that one. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a tricky one to, to answer simply all four of our musical influences are all over the roadmap right i mean like got everything from like punk rock to jazz to like you just you know sort of pick your pick your poison 
if I had to sort of narrow the focus on it a little bit, I mean, again, it's in for me having not sort of played uh, music uh, with in a sort of a band context or, or written music in a, in a very, very long time. It was super interesting to sort of see what kind of just kind of came back out very, very instinctively. Right. Um, it's uh, there's definitely stuff from my sort of uh, earlier musical upbringings there too. Like, I mean, I was kind of into like, you know, like sort of like a lot of alternative sort of punk rock, hardcore, post-punk type stuff. So, I mean, back at that, listening to like, you know, sort of talking heads, Fugazi, like uh, bad brains, those types of things were, were the things that I tended to sort of gravitate towards, um, but not necessarily completely locked into that type of type of uh, styles as well. Um, uh, you know, with Fred and Brock and Steve, you get very, very different answers. Um, but I think it's just, it's again, like just, I think for all four of us, there's just, there's a, there's a real love of music, right? So I'll find even now, like, I mean, I'm flipping across all sorts of different stuff. So it's not really kind of like locking into one different or uh, one specific kind of sound or style. So that's why it's even, it's difficult. Like when you get asked the questions, like, okay, well, like a, like, who do you sound like? It's like, well, I, I don't even want to go there. Um, <laughs> that's, that's for you to tell me who, who you think that we may sound like. Um, but also like what kind of style is it? Cause it's like, it's very hard to sort of like, we kind of use the, the broad umbrella term of indie rock, um, sort as a bit of a, a bit of a catch-all, um, because I don't think it's very easy to kind of come back and just say, oh, we're, we're like, you know, we're a power pop band or we're like a punk rock band or an acoustic band. Cause all of those things are, are under the hood. Right. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a difficult difficult question to to answer i'd actually be more curious to ask you the same question who you think you're, you're <laughs> sort of you're, you're sort of hearing in there because that's uh that always puts a smile on my face <laughs> so, <laughs> oh that's fair usually like uh, i mean you're very right with the indie rock like i was gonna yeah. say just like alternative but like that's all it's all like very broad right like yeah it's, it's i guess it's kind of hard to pinpoint but i, I can kind of see like you were saying earlier kind of like some, a little bit of like talking heads bad brains i can kind of see where that influence definitely comes in with your music for sure <laughs> yeah yeah and i mean i i think like for for me like when i look at at sort of sonic designs right i mean the, the one thing that if you actually listen to some very very early class of 91 rehearsals it was probably a lot sort of softer than it ended up kind of coming out in the wash at the end. And I think, again, there's a lot of, for me, at least there's a lot of muscle memory in there too. It's just like, I will naturally gravitate towards like distortion and overdrive and fuzz pedals uh, just simply because I like that like wall of sound guitar. Right. So there again, like you could probably point to influences like Bob mold uh, you know, in his uh, various, like, you know, whether it's Husker Du or Sugar, like, I've always really liked that kind of, like, just loud, in-your-face sort of type of guitar stuff. Like, Ian McKay from Fugazi has always been an, uh, a big influence uh, for me as well. But even, like, uh, I mean, again, love them or hate them, um, but, I like, a lot of my very early sort of guitar influences were, like, artists like The Edge from U2, right? I mean, his mm. use of, like, echo pedals and stuff like that really, really resonated, uh, with me. You know, I was, I wouldn't, I would never ever like call myself a metal head, but I was definitely like into 
like bands like Iron Maiden and Motorhead and stuff like that, like earlier, earlier on as well. And again, I think it's just a lot of it was just the intensity of what a lot of that music was. So, um, so even though again, I, w- I wouldn't call like class of 91, like a, like a punk rock band per se as, as an example, but you could definitely hear there are um, that may come out, say like in a song like destroyer, for example, right. Which is a little bit more kind of reflective of, of that. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, to, to, to me, it's all about just sort of creating sort of like a, a nice sort of a, a deep sonic design and lots of, uh, sort of intensity and, and space as well, but also sort of counterbalancing that with, uh, like, I mean, uh, like half the songs on eyes on fire, Brock is playing an acoustic guitar as well. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of juxtaposing those two types of layerings, uh, as, as well. So. Um, you know, and that's, and that's been kind of the interesting thing there too, is like, uh, when we're writing a, a, a song, um, typically for me, like, I, I don't, I'm not one of these musicians that will have like 150, like song ideas in my back pocket. Like I'll kind of like maybe get hit by some type of inspiration and I'll like probably just lock into that one song until there's something that comes at the other end. But it's really interesting. I'll never sit down and go, Hey, today I'm going to write a heavy song. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, <laughs> I'll get an idea in my head and then I'll, start chipping away at something and maybe it'll come out a little bit softer. Maybe it'll come out a little bit. We, we enjoy as a band is that it's, um, it's interesting for us to sort of see which songs resonate with different people for different reasons. And I think that's just because again, it is a little bit, it's not like so all over the roadmap that it sounds disjointed, but it's definitely there's enough sort of variety maybe in the sounds that, uh, that just sort of a tr- like, just sort of like it just lands differently with different people. Uh, when you are putting uh, songs together, is it uh, music that comes first, or uh, is it uh, starting with those lyrics? Yeah, I'd say if I'd say if I had to put the weight on one versus the other, I would say more often than not, it's the lyrics. Um, but even there, that's a little bit of a bit of a Frankenstein too, right? It's like, I mean, I'll be driving in, in the car. It's just like, oh, like I need to actually write this down. <laughs> it's like some, <laughs> for some random reason, like this, like lines come into, into my head so i'll typically um maybe sort of like box a bunch of stuff together and write it out in a sort of like a structure but then start horsing around with a little bit of music on on top of that and then start making it so like i haven't i don't think i've actually landed a a, a song that the original sort of like writing of it uh lyrically at least looks exactly like it does on the other end of it and a lot of it there too because like you could have the idea in your head um, you know, and you can maybe get a bit of a melody going on, but then we actually start like, you know, some maybe applying some, uh, some structure musically to it. It's like, okay, that's actually not rolling off the tongue in the way that I want, sort of make some edits here, chop this down. Um, so typically I've found lyrics first, music second. Um, I've actively experimented with both there too, but it seems that's the, the angle that seems to, to land most, uh, most times for, for me. Okay. I'm always I'm always fascinated though. Like that's a question I always ask people there when I'm talking to them too. It's like, hey, like, what's your creative process? Because like, it's to me that's just like a really, I don't know. It's like getting into people's heads and sort of see how that uh, how that shakes out. Yeah, no, I agree. That's actually one of my favorite things to ask about. And uh, yeah. like, when it comes to lyrics, is there anything that's like specifically that the lyrics come from, or is it all just kind of things that sound good together? Yeah, it's it is. <laughs> I guess I guess it's, you know, but you can almost title the uh, 
you know, sort of this episode of the podcast is like, you know, class 91 is marginally interesting, but like mostly drama free. Um, Fair. cause I, again, I don't, uh, I'm not one of these people. So it's like, a, again, I got like all carrying all this baggage around. Right. So I'm going to write like an entire album about this baggage and these like, you know, big pieces of personal drama. That's just like ripping my life into you know, three or four <laughs> different pieces. So a lot of, um, I find a lot of this stuff tends to be, storytelling metaphorically kind of through fictional characters like so i'm very again the sort of themes that uh, i'm kind of naturally gravitated towards are very interested in, like um human identity um like how people construct identity how they forge relationships with people how relationships could be fragile how um you know and just sort of those those they're also like observational types of types of things so again not necessarily drawing on personal experiences but maybe sort of an observational experience that i've had and so that, that's kind of kind of messed up how that how that played out so i'm actually going to tell that story through the eyes of a fictional character right um you know and then sometimes on top of that there'll be like different different that will sort of creep into it like so just to give you an example uh fire they're there it's kind of two friends that are really kind of grappling with the state of the world at that at that point right i mean the last uh the last pile of years have been a bit of a bit of a hot mess there for for everybody <laughs> um you know very divisive kind of the story of like a couple of friends that are just sort of uh just sort of reflecting on what they're feeling and that type of stuff there too so again i'm not necessarily drawing on personal things per se but again as a topic i found i find stuff like that really kind of i gravitate towards that pretty pretty easily and i sort of lock in lock into that the only sort of song that's about something on uh, on eyes on fire is couldn't this be right which uh was a bit of a reflection on my my dad passing away a few years ago um so again it's one of those sort of those middle age type of sandwich generation types of <laughs> types of emotional uh roller coasters right but uh like dealing with uh with the death of a parent is uh that's pretty uh it's a pretty intense uh emotional roller coaster there too so that song kind of landed in that in that space and just sort of kind of became a bit of an outlet to kind of get that off my chest so Mm -hmm. I, i'm I'm glad you didn't uh just tell me that you wrote a bunch of i love you songs and you had an interesting answer so <laughs> <laughs> well it's it's funny the one thing i have found and this is actually going to become like a challenge for some like future class of 91 song is it is way easier to write some type of like melancholy or sad and like again relatively drama free typically in a pretty good mood most of the time uh push my buttons but writing a happy song that doesn't sound super cliche mm, that's that's gonna be my uh <laughs> my swan <laughs> song there so <laughs> uh, you mentioned uh you try to write from the perspective of like a fictional character um does it often end up being the same character or does it like change per song yeah, it's that's a good question actually. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like I don't really have necessarily like, you know, sort of like, you know, a set character per se that kind of has like a bit of an, its own identity. Um, but I tend to kind of again sort of direct the the lyrics through the eyes of whoever that vessel would would be, right? So, you know, in some instances it could be like a sole individual, right? That's kind of going through 
uh, type of thing. But there's always there seems to always be a little bit of a back and forth in a couple of songs as well. Um, like this is magic, which is the the cave video. Um, that's kind of like a, a two person type of thing, right? Uh, Eyes on fire is a bit of a two person uh, perspective as well. Stockholm again is a bit of a two person perspective. And then other ones are just kind of like I don't know, it's just some like some rando, you know, some <laughs> some, some fictional, into you know, human being problem like a set of circumstances on this particular uh, this particular day. Fair enough. But uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll work I'll work on a better answer to that question because actually I don't really. Uh, that's kind of a interesting thing. I hadn't really maybe got far enough down that rabbit hole yet. So okay, I'm glad I can be of inspiration then. <laughs> that's why these conversations are important, my friend. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Uh, in terms of naming uh, the album Eyes on Fire, uh, were there other names that you considered? And what was it about uh, Eyes on Fire that you thought uh, kind of encapsulated that whole album? Yeah, I think uh, I think we kind of basically parsed out. We didn't really have a lot of like album titles that were kind of outside of what was already kind of recorded, right? So we basically parsed a bunch of different lyrics out of different songs that we thought kind of sounded interesting. And for some reason, Eyes on Fire was the one that everyone just kept coming back on. So that sounds it's kind of unique. You know, you can't Spotify and Google test there, and there wasn't any albums uh, under that name. So it just kind of it just kind of stuck um, out of all the other ones that we had. Like, and there was again, there was no other like kind of crazy competitors there. It's just that 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 one just sort of seemed to have the most impact with uh, with all four of us. So off we went. Mm-hmm. I guess the uh, last question I got for you, and uh, it's a big one. Uh, <laughs> what are your uh, aspirations coming up uh, within the next year? Yeah, so I guess I'll. Uh, it, it is it is a big question. Um, I get a lot of it will sort of kind of sort of teeter on the it depends type of thing. I mean, um, we do have uh, some. Uh, some new um, songs that we are working on right now, which would be great to, to be able to record. Uh, but simple pleasures in life. Like it would just be wonderful to get up in front of people again um, in Ottawa. Hopefully it'll be somewhere left to play by the time this all comes out in the, in the wash. And that seems to be everybody's sort of uh, tragic tale. Doesn't matter, you know, if it's in Ottawa or Toronto or Montreal or down in the U S or wherever it is, right. Like just venue after venue after venue is is sort of been really deeply affected by this for, for obvious reasons. Um, so yeah, I mean, being able to, to play again, um, like it's, it's a gift, right. Uh, just to be able to get up there and, and connect with people and see people react to something that you created is, is just, it's probably one of the most amazing feelings that the, you know, the human being can, uh, can sort of uh achieve so to be able to do that would be great i mean we have a lot of uh, shows that we had lined up there with some uh, some other local bands that we've we've all said like as soon as, as, soon as the <laughs> dust blows over on this we're getting you know, I, don't, I don't give a shit if it's in the biggest parking lot in ottawa or wherever it is right so uh we'll try to uh try to make that happen um again maybe get some more stuff recorded uh would be would be great you know, it'd be wonderful to play a show out of town. That'd be kind of fun. Like just again, little, little things. I mean, we don't have any massive sort of giant aspirations. I mean, class of 91, this is a, it's a passion project for us. Um, so every, every little thing that we are able to, to, to do as a band is, is, is really, really, uh, it's deeply felt with all of us. Right. So, um, yeah, so we'll just we'll really have to kind of see, but those vaccines are rolling slowly, but they're coming. <laughs> so, yeah, slowly and steady. <laughs> slowly and steady there. So, 
but yeah, but in the, in the meantime, I mean, again, like little opportunities like this have been, have been great. We've been doing a sort of a bit of a ad hoc conversation session on our Instagram live as well there too. We've been talking to some, uh, some local artists as well and just and just developing those connections i mean and again if you're looking for silver linings and uh in all of this there too is like we've actually probably made more meaningful connections within the ottawa music scene as a result of covid than we had probably prior to covid as well right just because everyone's <laughs> in the same boat um it's not like this is just kind of like affecting like some of us like everybody's affected by this right every artist is like, they're either bored, they're antsy. <laughs> they want to, you know, they want to, they want to do stuff. Right. So it's, uh, we've been really, really fortunate to have uh, made some pretty, uh, pretty great connections with, uh, with people in the, uh, the local scene and stuff there too. So, yeah. So, I mean, we're just, we're just enjoying that and just try to, you know, just keep, uh, keep on people's radars and, and stay relevant so that when, uh, say the opportunity comes, we'll be able to, you know, get all that gear up on stage again and turn the volume up and have at her. So. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> it'll, it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think Targ is the one venue that seems to be persevering through yeah, this. Targ, Targ is, Targ is doing good there. They got those pierogies going. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they've, uh, they've been able to, to pay. And I mean, and that's, that's the one thing there too. I mean, again, I recognizing that a lot of people have had to make some really, really tough calls, right? I mean, you look at pressed, you looked at Sankle, you look at, uh, you know, a variety of other places and like, you know, it's a lot of soul searching that's going on and some difficult decisions. It's like, look, this is just not sustainable. Um, we got to close these doors, but then other, you know, I mean, again, hats off to other like restaurants and stuff and other local businesses as well. Like it's been really amazing to see it. Um, it particularly like multiple times as well. Right. It's just crazy. Like one day you're allowed, like, you know, people to actually dine in the next minute it's only takeout and the next minute it's only, it's just, it's gotta be, it's just gotta be bonkers. Like how, uh, you know, if you're a business owner, or a restaurant owner, or, or a venue owner, to pick like that, it's, it's it's I can't imagine the stress that some of these, some of these folks are under. But uh, but uh, again, like a lot, hats off to uh, to everybody. So, thanks again to Ian from the class of '91 for joining me on this week's episode of the podcast. And thank you, the listener, for tuning into this episode. If you liked what you heard today, give me a five-star rating and subscribe. That goes a long way in helping me out with this. And until next week, stay kind to one another.